Welcome to The Connected Podcast. This is Lydia, Hannah and Simon. We're three friends from the UK and beyond discussing how the Bible connects to life as a teen today. Stick around for banter, Bible talk, topics you want to hear about, people you can relate to and plenty of those beloved random shenanigans. But for real, we want you to be equipped with biblical truth and boldness to be able to go out in the world and be grounded in your faith. Now as always on our Friday episodes, our dearest beloved Daryl is away and for that we are very sad and we miss him very much. Lydia misses him very much. I do. <laughs> Daryl, I love you, Daryl. <laughs> I hope he's listening to this. I hope uh, everyone didn't just throw up. <laughs> you know, I apologize. Oh dear. Anyway. We miss him uh, and you should go and say hello to him on social media because that's where he's hanging out just now. Um, So yes, but he will be back for our final episode. So um, yes, that's enough about Daryl. We're going to talk about the Bible now. Um, If possible, open up your Bible or the Bible app on your phone or wherever you read your Bible to James chapter 5 and verse 7 and follow along. This is our very last episode going through the book of James which is so very sad, crazy. It's gone by so quickly. Um, but be ready to make some observations of your own in a notes app or journal. You know the drill by now. But before we get to our passage, we're going to get to our observation tip of the week. And that is going to be brought to you by Simon. Okay, this week's observation tip of the week is all about context. And you're going to go, but you've already talked about context on your podcast. That is true. But this time we're not talking necessarily about the context of a particular passage in the Bible. We want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the importance of your own context, where you are. So what is surrounding you when you go to study God's word? Now, no matter where you are, God's word will uh, or is uh, living and active and is able to teach you and change your life. Um, that is true. Uh, but we have found it very helpful to be in a quiet spot. Okay, so somewhere that's free from distractions uh, when you can go to spend time with the Lord. It's also helpful uh, to have a specific time of the day set aside for your time with God. Um, so maybe that's in the morning for some of you or maybe before you go to bed. Uh, maybe it's sitting in your car. Uh, after driving to school. Um, Wherever that is, we encourage you to find a place where you can be away from distractions. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb uh, for this time, especially if you're using a Bible app on your phone. You really don't want all those nasty Instagram and Facebook notifications coming through and distracting you. Um, So yeah, it actually is very helpful to do that. It's also helpful, as we've been saying about a quiet place, just because when you're in a quiet place, um, it allows you to be able to pray out loud without anyone hearing you. So even when you're by yourself, praying out loud can be really helpful. Uh, It can help you to stay focused and keep your mind from wandering. Uh, And again, I should say, none of these are absolute rules. Um, We just encourage you to to always cut out time to, to spend time with God wherever and wherever that uh, can be for you. So uh, these are just some of the things that we find helpful um, and we hope that you will find them helpful as well. So this is your observation tip of the week. Thank you very much, Simon. 
and after yeah our observation tip now we're going to get into god's word ourselves so we're going to start in james chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So that's our passage for today. And we're going to jump into our what does it say questions, just taking a really high level um, of what the passage is saying. So Hannah, would you um, start us off here? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I noticed when looking through the passage is that the passage talks about a few different people. So there's farmers, a judge, prophets, and somebody called Job, who, if you don't know, is a pretty cool guy, as we'll find out later. It also talks about some attributes of God. It says that he is compassionate and merciful, uh, and it says that these things are his purpose. Hmm very interesting very interesting indeed something else i noticed is that there seems to be a type of promise given in verse 11 it says we consider those blessed who remain steadfast we also get into the coming of the lord it says the coming of the lord is at hand okay um so first and foremost this is a doctrinal statement it is a statement uh, describing something that we believe as christians uh, it's also a promise for us to hold on to. As well as promises in there, there's also a few commands to obey. So if you think back to our list of questions, we um, talk about are there any commands to obey in the passage? And this one does have a few. So it says be patient. That is repeated twice. It says establish your hearts. And it also says do not grumble against one another. And if you think back to our very first episode on the book of James, you'll remember who the original audience is. Um, and that audience is the Jewish Christians who were scattered abroad. So it's important to keep that in mind as well as we're reading this passage. Remember, they were very likely facing persecution and they were under great suffering. So it gives us a bit of a better picture of why James was writing this kind of thing to them. So those are our observations. What about you? What are your observations for this passage? Please take a moment to write them down, put them in a notes app or whatever. Remember, if you're having trouble, if you're feeling stuck, we have a list of questions for you online that you can look up um, to help you observe God's word for yourself. So take a minute to pause and do that. And when we come back, we will jump into what does it mean? So what does the passage mean? Let's jump straight into a definition here. James starts with a command and he says to be patient. So what does this mean, this be patient? Um, remember this actually came up a few weeks ago as well at the very start of James. Um, Warren Wearsby, a, a commentator of the Bible who we love and 
go to for his advice all the time. Um, advice in his books. We don't know him personally, but, you know, we can pretend. Um, he puts it like this. Uh, he says... I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, pretty sorry, sure, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to have had a friendship with him. This but... is true. <laughs> but we are friends with him through his books. Can we say that? Um, is that weird? By the way, he is in the glory now, so... Much True, better. so we will be with him and we'll Absolutely. get to talk with him much, much later on. But for now, we will read his commentary and pretend to be friends with him. Fun times. <laughs> Fun times indeed. So our dearest friend, Warren Wearsby, um, he put it like this, that the words patient and endure in verse 11, they literally mean to remain under. And it's talking about endurance under great stress. So patience here, it could be defined like this. To stay put and to stand fast when all you want to do is run away. So James is talking to people who have most likely been scattered because they're being persecuted. And he's telling them to stay strong even though things are difficult. Even though the temptation would be to just, to just give up, to just keep running away. He says to be patient. And remember here, he's saying, be patient, brothers. But just like in many other parts of the Bible, he's not just talking to the men. This is a really generic term in the original language, talking to all people. It's just the best the best word we can come up with in English is brothers. Um, so girls, this is for us too. We also need to be patient when we're facing hard times, as well as the men. So what are we being patient for then? This is the question. Good question. <laughs> I know. Um, So we're being patient, James tells us, until the coming of the Lord, until Jesus comes back. Now, maybe this is something you've never heard of before, or maybe your whole church experience has revolved around teaching on Jesus' return. We don't necessarily know when it's going to happen or what it's going to look like. And it's not to say that it's silly or wrong to try and understand those more difficult prophecies in the Bible about Jesus' return. But the important thing that this passage focuses on, and that should really be our focus as believers, is not necessarily when Jesus comes back, but the fact that Jesus is coming back. This is a doctrine as Christians, we believe, and that is taught by the Lord Jesus himself all throughout scripture. And it's going to happen. (laughs) It's a guarantee. (laughs) Yeah. And James gives us an illustration here uh, to tie in all this uh, about the coming back of the Lord. And the illustration that James uses is that of the farmer. Now, any farmers here listening to our podcast, we'll give you a shout out to you. So, James, writing to a Jewish audience, um, was saying that the early rains in Israel came during October and November. So this is something his readers would have been familiar with. And the late rains came in March and April. So the early rains softened the ground for planting and the later rain helped the crops grow prior to harvest. So farming, though, as you can imagine, uh, is a job that requires great patience. And James used uh, this illustration to remind the persecuted Christians that they must be patient as they wait for the return of the Lord. A farmer plants his crops with the expectation of the rain and ultimately the growth of his crops. Now, sometimes the rain may not come when expected or even when it is thought it is needed, but it will come and the crops in turn will ripen in time for harvest. So it is with the return of Christ. Verse 8 is saying that 
that the Christians who were under persecution needed to be patient and understand that although Jesus may not return uh, when they thought he should, they could endure knowing that he will come again for sure. It was just a matter of time or we could say just a matter of being patient. It is the same for us today. Be patient. The Lord is coming again and he's coming again soon. Now, maybe this thought of Jesus coming again, his second coming, is a new one for you. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of the time when Jesus came the first time, when he came to earth as a baby. Um, In a manger, he grew up, he lived a perfect life, died and rose again, all of that stuff. That's Jesus' first coming. And we read in John chapter 3 and verse 17 why Jesus came the first time. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn or to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So when Jesus came the first time, he came to save from sin, not to judge people for their sin. In fact, Jesus was judged for the sin that you and I have committed. But here in James and in other passages, we see that when Jesus comes the second time, he will come as the judge. We see that here in verse 9, when it says that the judge is standing at the door. Those who have not trusted Jesus as Savior will be judged by him. They will receive the full punishment they deserve for their sin. But those who have trusted Jesus as their Savior, those who have put their faith in him alone to save them from their sin, for for us, there will be no condemnation. That means that they will not be punished for their sin because Jesus was already punished on their behalf the first time that he came. So then what does James mean when he then goes on to say, don't grumble, dot, 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 so that you may not be judged? Are we as Christians to be judged by God still? Uh, Maybe some of you are thinking, I thought that was all taken care of. Uh, Well, the answer is yes to both. (laughs) The Bible teaches that yes, even Christians will still be judged on their actions. And yes, our sins are taken care of by Jesus' work on the cross. How can these things be both true at the same time? Well, it's honestly something that all three of us wrestle with to understand, kind of like the Trinity. It's one of those things that kind of seems difficult to be true at the same time. But here's what we know. When you accept Christ as your Savior, the punishment for your past, present, and future sins was taken care of by Jesus. We also know that as Christians, we are still held accountable to God. Our actions still mean something. We've seen that all throughout James, that you cannot just say you're a Christian and then just go and live however you want. The two don't add up. It it doesn't work like that. As Christians, the Bible teaches that we will one day stand before God to give account for all that we have done for him and against him. This, on the one hand, should be a really sobering thought for us because it reminds us not to give up when it's hard, not to give in to sin and to take all the temptations around us seriously because everything that we've ever done is going to be laid out in front of us and shown to be good as in for God or bad as in against him. But it at the same time shouldn't discourage us either. It shouldn't leave us hopeless and in the depths of despair. It should be an encouragement that we have a just and a good judge. He will still judge what we do. This is true. 
But if you're a Christian, then your punishment for what you've done was still rightfully taken by Jesus. God isn't going to punish twice. It's taken care of. You still stand fully right or righteous before him. Standing before Christ, the great judge, when he returns, will show us just how great God's grace is for us. That in spite of all we failed to do, and there will be a lot, we are still forgiven and loved by him. So when Jesus comes back, he is going to judge the world of sin. And he will also make everything right. Sin will be gone forever. There will be no more death or crying or pain. The world will be made right and nothing will ever ruin it again. That's what it means when James says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. It means that Jesus, the judge, the good judge is coming back soon. This makes me want to sing that old song, somewhere in outer space, God is prepared to be, yes. and then do the countdown. Ten, Ten nine, nine, eight, seven, <laughs> six, five, and four. <laughs> Because we don't know what it means by soon, but soon in God's terms could mean a thousand years or it could be tomorrow, but we do know that he is going to come back and we need to live knowing that our good judge is standing at the door. The countdown's getting lower every day. <laughs> People who yeah aren't familiar with these songs, sorry, we did it again. I know. Father Abraham and now this. <laughs> You're but really missing out, though. That is a classic. Really <laughs> oh, good times. Well, that is it. Just, it's, yeah. Full of truth, full of truth. Now, <laughs> or, not <in laughs> many, or not in many cases. Yeah, true. Um, let's bring it back in. So now, what's this that James is saying about uh, the prophets? Okay, so let's think about the prophets for a second. So in the Old Testament, there were many prophets, okay? And I know many of you listening to this will be, will know uh, that. Okay, so people, uh, the, the prophets were simply people who were sent by God with a message for God's people. The problem is that God's people didn't like the message that the prophets were given. Over and over again, God's people mistreated God's messengers, the prophets. Yet, over and over again, the prophets kept going. They suffered greatly. Yet, they were patient. Uh, they remained under their stress. They didn't run away. Even though, that would have been the easy thing to do. And James here is telling us that the prophets should be our example. The Jewish Christians were facing persecution, just as the prophets were in the Old Testament. But like the Old Testament prophets, the Jewish Christians needed to persevere. They needed patience. They needed to stand firm, uh, even in persecution. Now, the second example that James gives is from... Is story of Job. Now, if you're not familiar with this, you should definitely go and read it. There's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to telling Job's story. Um, and Job's name is spelled J-O-B. It might look like Job. So if you see a book in the Bible called Job, it's actually Job. And this is who we're talking about here. Can I can I actually tell a really quick, funny story on that? It'll be the qu- <laughs> it's just okay. the quickest funny story ever. Yeah. So there was a quiz question once. I can't remember exactly, but the answer was Job. It was probably like, you know, which Bible? But it was a quiz where you couldn't give the answer. You had to give them something else. So I just said, job. And then suddenly you shouted <laughs> job and we got it. And everybody everybody complained because they're like, you're cheating. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that is cheating. I was like, it's two different words. One's a name, one's a job. Or one's... <laughs> <laughs> well done, Simon. Well done. So yes, job. 
that guy. That's who we're talking about here. You should go and read his book in the Bible. Um, and But I'll just tell a story for you super quickly. Um, so Job was rich. He had 10 children. He had a wife. He had thousands of cattle. He had lots of servants. He was living the high life. He was living the good life. And the best thing about it is that Job loved God. And Satan saw Job. And Satan had this thought that if he were to take away all of the good things that Job owned, then Job would curse God. And the crazy thing about it is that God gave Satan permission to do this, to take away all of the good things in Job's life. And that's exactly what happened. So Job's children died, all of them. All of his riches were gone. His health was gone. The Bible says he was covered head to foot in these horrible sores. And he sat in a pile of ashes, scraping his skin with broken pottery. Ugh. It's just dreadful. But in the middle of it all, Job never cursed God. Yes, he was sad. There were even some passages where Job seems angry, but he persevered and he chose to trust God even when nothing else in his life made sense. And then after a long time of suffering, God restored everything that Job lost. He had children again. He had double his riches, double his cattle, all of that. His health was restored. Everything was given back to him. Now, This is a great story um, and it's a beautiful happy ending, but it's not a promise that all Christians who suffer today will have that kind of happy ending on this side of heaven. We know that there are many Christians around the world who suffer and suffer and suffer some more and then they die. But what it does show is that even in the middle of the worst of suffering that God remains, that he is still God and his purposes are still compassionate and merciful. Now, that may seem totally backward to us. We may not understand how that could be true. But like Job, we can have faith. Remember we talked about faith in an episode a while back that we can walk in the reality of something that we don't see. We can choose to believe that God is good, that he is compassionate and merciful, that his purposes and his ways are full of compassion and mercy. And we can remain steadfast, even in the most difficult of times. So all of this sounds really good, right? To remain steadfast, persevere in hard times. But what does that look like for us in 2021? Um, What is God saying to us in the middle of all of this? Of course, the main application for all believers is the same. Remain steadfast to keep on keeping on even when it's super tough to be a Christian. But we're going to go around and we're going to share um, what that looks like for us in our lives today. Um, Simon, what does it look like for you to remain steadfast under trial? Yeah, so I think for me, you know, we read and you can read the book of Job and you can hear about persecution. And I think sometimes the greatest danger I feel is that we get so comfortable here in the West and I feel that I get into a comfortable state of Christianity uh, and I think that can be dangerous and even though I can see that in the last 20 years or so you know Christianity has become under a lot more attack um, uh, here where we live but it's still nothing compared to so many people across the world so I need to bear that in mind and remember to pray for those people um, and remember that you know yeah just because you know, my life seems okay here that for a lot of people that's not the case. But something else that I think is really, really important is just because things are actually in a better state here, I think it's important that we as Christians are more uh, proactive rather than reactive, okay? So uh, instead of waiting for everything to get 
terrible and bad. Um, we should do what we can. We should use the freedoms that we have here um, uh, to do as much as we can for the kingdom of God. So, so when we think of this idea of being uh, proactive instead of reactive, maybe you can think about that as well as you're listening to this. Um, and so the, just what ways could we as Christians be proactive rather than reactive? So one way I think that we as Christians can be more proactive is in relation to something like the pro-life movement. Um, so maybe you could go and volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center, uh, or maybe you could help out a center like that financially or by donating clothes or something like that. Maybe you could help out the mothers by showing them uh, Christ's compassion uh, and, and just for standing up for the unborn and you know standing in before policies come in that stop us from doing this. Um, it could be also something as simple as just helping out as your at your church outreach team or volunteering for a Christian organization. I hear CF's very good for that. Um, you know, organizations that are on the front line of evangelism uh, and seeking to reach the lost. So I just don't encourage people and encourage all of us to never underestimate the power of the gospel to change lives and then to change communities. And of course, to always bear in mind that uh, Jesus is coming back and as he says in his word we must work while it is day for night comes when no man com- can work so that's really how this first challenge or these verses have been challenging me that's really helpful Simon um, yeah and I, I think of it for me that you know as you say most of us here living in the west um, aren't really facing the kind of persecution that many are facing around the world and I also want to bear in mind I don't know where this podcast is going to go so if you are in one of those countries where you're facing persecution um, yeah we're, we're praying for you and we love you and we encourage you to remain steadfast here just like James is saying um, but I think that it speaks to difficult situations no matter what those difficult situations are in our lives so how do we live when the going gets tough I think one of the biggest struggles for me when I'm facing a difficult time is my thought life, the things that go on in my mind, especially as they pertain to God. Now, there are other situations in life where I can be really stubborn. I can be really scrappy and I can fight for things that I think are, are I f- can fight the things that are wrong and fight for things that are, that are good and true. But when there are lies about God sitting in my mind, I can so often just roll over and play dead. I can just give up. But that's not how God calls us to live. He calls us to stand up and fight the lies and bad attitudes and instead worship him in the midst of our struggles. So for me, remaining steadfast under trial looks like talking to myself and reminding myself of the truth, especially when all I want to do is numb out with entertainment or bad thinking. So what does this look like practically? Sometimes it looks like reciting scripture. And I would really encourage you to start memorizing scripture. The Psalms are a really great place to start. Psalm 103 and 145 are some of my favorites when I'm fighting for truth. Um, Sometimes for me, it looks like putting on worship music and listening really closely to the lyrics. Um, Right now, I'm loving the worship initiative mix on Spotify. Just a a wee wee, hint there. You can go and have a look at that. Um, sometimes for me it looks like listening to an audio bible when I'm doing other things there's some really great free ones online or the dwell app is a really good one as well this is not sponsored by the way 
um, where one of my absolute favorite things to do is um, to use the alphabet as a guide. So I go through each letter of the alphabet and I think of one attribute of God that corresponds to each letter. So for example, for A, God is almighty. For B, God daily bears me up. For C, God is compassionate. And I keep going through the whole alphabet just thinking about who God is. Or maybe you could think about what you're thankful for for each letter or a person that you can pray for for each letter. Basically, just use the alphabet, use whatever means you can to fight to set your mind on the things that are true. Because as we learn how to face difficult circumstances with patience and steadfastness today, we'll be better prepared for whatever trials may come our way in the future. Today, you can choose how you will face your trials tomorrow. So whether they're big or small, today in the middle of your difficulties, set your mind on things above, fight for what is true and trust in the compassion and the mercy of God. So thinking about what Simon and Lydia have shared, I think something that this passage challenges me for is how do I keep myself from getting in that kind of comfortable, numb place? And I'm going to share an illustration that I think originally came from my dad but I've heard other people share it as well actually it came from the movie Dante's Peak I meant to say this earlier because that's when I first heard it so because I and you should go but she hasn't said it yet but I know what she's going to (laughs) say well I've never heard of this movie and I highly doubt my dad has seen this movie um so maybe he came up with it on himself I think your dad is just full of wisdom yeah yeah I think so too you know I think your dad's stealing quotes from movies Well, here's the illustration. Judge him, if you will. Um, But he would always ask us, my sisters and I, how do you know how to cook a frog? Um, He said, if you just stick it in a boiling pot of water, it will jump out. But if you put it in cool water and slowly heat up the frog, it will begin to cook without realizing it until it's too late. Now, My thought was always, why not just kill the frog first and then cook it? Um, But of course, I couldn't say that as a kid. (laughs) But that's beside the point as well. And I think the illustration still stands because our world, we live in such a consumer culture. We are constantly taking things in. And I think the enemy knows that if he were to just give direct lies, we would be able to spot him and jump out right away. We'd, we'd say, no, I don't believe that. I don't I don't want to believe that. And so that's why we're constantly being fed a stream of stuff that sounds good and maybe even looks good or doesn't, doesn't automatically put us off, but it's just like that cool water that's just making us comfortable in lies, in things that aren't actually true about God and who he, who he is and what his word says. And so these verses really challenge me to be aware of what I'm filling my life with. We don't even realize the thoughts and actions that have snuck into our lives as Christians that really aren't biblical and don't honor God. Or maybe we do become aware of them, but because we're so desensitized to it and comfortable with it, we don't even think it's that big of a deal sometimes when they're pointed out to us. So if you're a Christian, my challenge to you and to myself is to start being aware and looking at what you're taking in. Who do you follow on Instagram or TikTok or your social media? Do their lives honor God? Are they challenging you to honor God? Does what they say sound nice, but does it add up with what the Bible teaches? The shows you watch on Netflix or streaming, are they giving you good thoughts? Are they, are they, 
promoting things that are true. And this isn't to say you have to go and then unfollow everyone and only watch Christian TV shows. Um, And maybe there are definitely some that you should do that with. But I think the point is becoming more active in what we consume and not just mindly taking things in. Lydia and Simon have given us some really great examples of what we can do to be active and putting God's word into our hearts and our lives and living that out. And I think something that helps us to keep from getting in that comfortable place is to also be active and the other things that we're putting in because someday we're going to stand before God and be judged on everything we've done. And I really don't want to say I spent 50% of my life watching YouTube. I just feel like that would be dumb. (laughs) So same, same here. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Those are really, really great thoughts. Um, Hannah and Simon, thank you for, for that. And that's the end of our, our study on the book of James, which is just crazy that we've come to the end. But now we still want you to go and study the Bible on your own. Now, even though we've been looking at the book of James, there is so much more of the Bible to explore and study. And there's even more of the book of James to explore and study. We haven't been able to go through every single verse in the book. Um, so go look for it. Look at it for yourself. Next season, we'll be looking through another book of the Bible and you'll have to wait to find out what it is. But right now, our challenge to you is please go and start a Bible reading plan. Check out our social media and we'll post some ideas of Bible reading plans that we enjoy. But it's a really great way to start reading the Bible. It takes out that time waster and pressure of when you sit down at the beginning and say, what do I need to read now? It just tells you what to read and it helps you to get through section of the Bible that maybe you wouldn't be naturally drawn to. Um, so as you're reading, try using this question method that we've been been using this season, or maybe try out another Bible study method. And as always, please share it with us. We love hearing what God is teaching you through his word. So we really hope you've enjoyed joining us for this week's episode. We're coming to the end of the season, which is so crazy, but we still have one more episode that you do not want to miss. So tune in next time. And you can find our last episode and all of the other episodes up till now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to connect with us on social media using at connected.podcast. That's at connected.podcast. The Connected Podcast is brought to you by Child Evangelism Fellowship of Britain. Our opinions are our own and they don't necessarily represent the organization or any others that we may mention. Have a wonderful day. See you next time.